Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Does anybody think it's appropriate this morning to preach on miracles? Do you, do you think that would flow quite well this morning? Or do you think we're a little bit off grid there? Well, listen, I don't know how many years it's been since I was with you, but it's good to be back with you again. I, it's not that I don't love you. I just can't remember when I was here. Does anyone remember what year it was? 2018, something like that? Oh, we have an argument. Okay. Let's go somewhere around that part. But listen, this morning, it is such an honor to be with you. I don't say that's cliche. I really do mean that. I don't think I've ever been hugged on by as many strangers at once who didn't know me, but you just want to hug anyway. But that's okay, I'm a hugger. But um, I want to honor your pastors this morning. Thank you so much for having me here. It is the greatest joy and honor to preach the gospel of Christ. And one thing that I am happy to admit from the pulpit this morning is I really do believe that pastors have a much harder job than I do. I get to come in cause somewhat of a mess and then leave again and your pastors are left to clean it all up. But listen, this morning I would like to do something. Can you stand to your feet and honor your pastors this morning? Just thank God for them this morning. I honor you both this morning. You know, I, I don't do that for brownie points this morning. I wouldn't use a pulpit that irreverently. I get the honor of sitting with pastors in green rooms or back rooms or whatever you want to call them after services, and I hear the struggles and the fights they go through that you will never know about. And so listen, I encourage you as a church, uphold your pastors, lift their arms up in a battle when they can't, support them, stand with them, don't give any room for, well, if I was them, hold on, you're not. That went down like a lead balloon. But seriously, the amount of times I hear people after the service, like, listen, this is a good church, but if I was, a, okay, you're not. Support them, love on them, encourage them. I really believe that, this God, that God is his hand on this church. The hunger you guys have. Also, listen, let me encourage you all. Encouragement from me to you. What you did yesterday was a rare thing. Outreach in churches is not as common as it used to be. You know, I preach in sometimes, I mean, last year I think I did close to 80, 90 services in a year. And not many churches anymore are happy to come outside the four walls of a church. But listen to me, after the upper room happened, it could not stay there. It had to get out the four walls of the church. I've also discovered the gospel is not that, let me phrase this wisely. The gospel works best outside of the four walls of a church. Listen, I'm all for preaching this morning. I will preach the gospel to you. But listen, light works really good in darkness. And so I encourage you, don't stop. Keep pressing on. Keep contending. Even if it's for one soul, listen, heaven rejoices over that one soul. Can we say amen this morning? Well, listen, I want to preach the word of God to you. Is that okay? Do I have an end time? Because I'm very bad with end times. No, that's not like eschatology. I'm bad with end times preaching. No, like finish times I meant there. You guys okay? Yeah. All right, good. Turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 13. While you're doing that, let me just share with you a little bit of what God's been doing around the world. I know that 
For many of you, you have sat in front of your television set in 2020, and maybe you're of the understanding that the world is going up in flames, God's not moving, and we're all going to perish. One of the advantages of what I do is I get to meet and see a lot of different churches, people, and countries, and nations. Can I give you some word of encouragement this morning? More souls are being won today, statistically, than at any time in human history. At any time in human history. You know, just our tiny, tiny ministry, over the last year and a half, we've seen close now to 50,000 souls come to Jesus Christ. But listen, that is just the start of what God is doing. You know, this year, we went to the nation of Kenya where we were meant to have a massive gospel crusade planned. We were expecting anywhere from 60, 70,000 people to attend. And five days before I was set to go there, we were contacted by the government of Kenya saying, we're sorry, you can't have the crusade because of COVID. Now to some of you like, oh, bless your heart, Jordan, they canceled your service. No, this is firstly tens of thousands of dollars we invest in these things. We put nine months of planning into this. We had over a thousand churches working together combined to put on this crusade. We'd hired a stadium, everything you could think of. And within five days, the whole thing was taken from us. And I remember... Firstly, I spoke with some leaders in our ministry this morning. I have the honor of having some of my board members here. Can you give them a good God bless you this morning? They serve the ministry so faithfully and they've been such a support to me. But I remember we contacted and had a meeting. And I remember the Lord really speaking to me. And really I felt the Lord ask me the question, Jordan, what is success to you? See, we really have to calculate this as a church, especially in the day we're living. Because if large crowds mean success, then we have missed the story of the one. So then that sounds contradictory. Because like Jordan, then why do you do crusades? Because in a crowd of 100,000 is 100,000 ones. So I remember thinking, well, I called my crusade director and I said, what can we do? He said, well, Jordan, we can't do a big crusade. I said, you didn't answer me. I didn't ask, what can't we do? What can we do? So he said, well, Jordan, you can do a lot of small services. And immediately, the words of the Lord were brought to me. Where the Bible says, and Jesus went from town to town, from village to village, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So I said, well, if they can't come to us, we will go. You know, in the space of eight days, we did 48 services. We held these in schools, in prisons, in universities, in churches, in fields, wherever we could. And over the space of eight days, we saw 13,002 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. Can I show you this morning a little bit what that looks like? You guys in the back, you have that video ready? I don't know who I'm... Okay, I see a kind of transparent window with someone moving. I don't know if that's a yes or a no, but if you have it ready, just go ahead and run that video if you can. And give it some good volume also. Yeah, crank that volume if you can. Let the media team know you appreciate it at the back, guys. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, give it a little bit more volume if you can. A little more. A little more. 
There you go. You know, all of those booklets that you saw going up at the end, those are decision booklets that we have created specifically for this purpose. You know, Jesus never said make converts. He said make disciples. We do not believe in going there, doing an altar call, and then being like, peace, we're out of here. We believe in discipling them. So what we have done is we created a strategy where we created these decision booklets that once they have filled out these decision booklets, we take their details, we pass them on to a local pastor in their region who contacts them, follows up with them, and they're discipled straight into local churches in their region. Also in this booklet, we co it's called Next Steps. I personally wrote it myself. We give them the three basic fundamentals of Christianity, joining a local church, reading their Bible and praying and being baptized in water and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they are brought straight into the local church. And so that was this year in January. But although much of the world is shut down right now, we have absolutely no intention of slowing down. So in 10 days time, get this, this is the part where you think I've lost my ever living British mind, okay? Some of you, after the service, in the name of wisdom, will try and talk me out of this, but you can't. I've already booked my ticket, okay? In nine days' time, I travel to the Middle East, to one of the most persecuted nations of the face of the earth, where we are holding a mass crusade. I told my crusade director there, we have already sent the finances over, we've already prepared it, we have a large field hired. The nation we're going to is 96% Muslim, 2% Hindu, and only 1.6% Christian. We're going there and we're expecting anywhere from 75 to 100,000 people in one night to attend this crusade. That is in 10 days' time. In October this year, we go back to Kenya to a different county. As I explained to you, we did 48 services there in the space of nine days and we saw 13,000 people saved. And I thought, well, hold on. I thought, well, what if we could increase this? Now, you have to understand, I'm not a very logical person the way I work. I normally go one, a million, a billion. Like, I don't find the in-between steps of 100, 1,000. I don't do that. Like, if we're going to increase, let's really increase. 
So in October this year, we are taking a team with us back to Kenya where we hope to hold more than 300 services in the space of 10 days. Now you say, Jordan, how are you going to do that? Every single team member will be going out to different schools, different universities at the same time, and we will all preach at once. We will then all go to a different school, university, or prison, and all preach again. We will then all go to a different one and carry on. We're going to be doing close to 60 services a day over the space of 10 days. And by faith, we have already printed 150,000 decision booklets for salvation for these students and these people. Now, I spoke to my... I spoke to our crusade director only a few hours ago, sorry, a f- yeah, a few hours ago from now. And he said, Jordan, I know we have 150,000 printed, but from the feedback from schools and colleges and universities, it looks like we might need close to a quarter of a million printing for the time that we're there. And so listen, this is our goal. By the end of this year, we are believing God for a quarter of a million souls to be won for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Listen. Jesus said, the fields are white for harvest. The harvest is great, but we need laborers, my friend. So let me ask you a question. How many would be interested in coming on something like what you've just seen? By show of hands. Okay, good news. You can. We are opening up for applicants to join us in October this year to come to Kenya. As you walk out of these, uh, these doors right here, there'll be a table right there next to us where you can sign up to come on one of these crusades with us. Uh, my assistant Caleb will be there. We can give you all the information you need. But on, well, on there we have a, a, a newsletter sign that says your name, your email, and your address. Put your details down on there and next to it write in big letters, Crusade. If I was organized and my wife would be with me, I would have made one specifically for Crusades rather than merge it into a newsletter. But firstly, I'm a guy, which means I'm not organized. And secondly, my wife's in Florida with our baby, which means I have to do my best without her, Okay. So listen, if you want to join us, please go over there, sign up. We'd love to take you with us. Also, as I mentioned to you, these crusades cost us literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. One of the ways that we help do this is we have some merchandise out in there, the All Hail King Jesus t-shirts. Grab one out there. It goes straight towards our gospel crusades. Also, listen, one of the main ways that we help fund these things is by monthly partnership. Now listen, this is where people normally get uncomfortable and you start to go, oh, we shouldn't talk about it, talk about it in church. But you don't get upset when Netflix asks you for $10 a month. No one complains when Netflix asks you for $9.99 a month, giving it to some nonsense that will never benefit you for the rest of your life. So listen, I want to explain to you how this works. If you want to support the work that we're doing, let me make this very clear first and foremost. This is not your tithe. If you try and tithe to our ministry, I will send it straight back to you and rebuke you, okay? Your tithe does not go to our ministry. This is if you've seen what we're doing, if you want to support the work in the Middle East, if you want to help us win a quarter of a million souls this year, you can become a monthly partner with the ministry. Here's what that looks like. We have partner forms out on the table there as you walk out. Caleb will be there. You can choose to show however much you want a month, $25, $50, $100. That comes out of an automated gift out of your bank account every month. If you want to write a check to the ministry on a monthly basis, you can do that as well. But some of you might think already, well, Jordan, how is $50 a month, $100 going to help you? Listen, what it does is it helps us budget knowing how much we've got coming in each month. And we allocate that straight towards the gospel campaign. Does that make sense to you guys? So listen again, I want to encourage you. You are investing into eternity when you're doing this. And I believe with all of my heart, listen, 
I show to so many ministries around the world that I believe in the winning souls, Christ for all nations, Billy Graham's ministry. Listen, I believe in them and what they're doing. And so today, I believe with all of my heart, if you can't come on a crusade with us, you can help to send us by sowing into the ministry. And I really believe one day that you'll stand in heaven and a quarter of a million African people will walk up to you and say, you don't know me, but you helped me hear the gospel one day. And I'm here today because of you. So listen, I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider while I'm preaching, pray about supporting the work we're doing. Pray about monthly partnering with us and help us see a quarter of a million souls saved this year. Can you say amen? Listen, thank you so much for your time and listening to that. Second Kings chapter 13. Also, if you do join us on the crusade, it is not a Watch Jordan preach performance crusade, okay? You will be preaching to more people in the space of 10 days than you will the rest of your life. So you saw on there, you saw other people preaching apart from me. That's what you'll be doing. We will be sending you to schools and prison, and you'll be preaching the gospel. And you will win more souls to Jesus in one week than I guarantee you have for the rest of your life. So listen, if you want to win souls, if you want to do that, join us. We'd love to take you with us. 2 Kings chapter 13, starting at verse 14. Say amen when you're there. All right, it says these words. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have utterly destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Say that with me this morning. Strike the ground. One more time. I don't like to say I have favorites, but you're the best church I've seen through that all year. Don't tell the rest that are watching on live stream, okay? Strike the ground. And the man of God, excuse me. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. I want to preach a message to you this morning that is entitled, It's Time to Strike. It is time to strike. Would you do me a favor this morning? Just close your eyes, put your hand on your heart. I was raised by my parents to believe in the power of confession. I still believe in the power of confession. My brother yesterday talked about the power of your words, and I want to echo what he said right now. So pray this with me. Say, Jesus, speak to me today. Let your word fall on good soil and produce much fruit. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I remember when I was a young man, 
I was, my testimony has never been that I was raised in a terrible household and I did all these terrible things. My testimony really is that I was raised in the most perfect Christian household you could be wished to be raised in. My parents loved the Lord with all their hearts. I remember there wasn't a day that I went to bed without them laying hands on me and praying for me every single morning from the moment I could speak. They would have us sing daily devotionals every morning. I remember my parents, we didn't sit down and watch fun stuff like everyone else. I had to watch This Is Your Day by Pastor Benny Hinn. I watched Kenneth Copeland's channel. I watched like Creflo Dollar. I didn't have a clue what they were saying, but I watched it because I had no choice. Like I was brought upon T.D. Jakes, <laughs> Reinhard Bonnke, Billy Graham, who else? Joyce Meyer, all these people, right? That was my childhood. But I remember one of the things that stuck out to me most was that when I went to bed at night, my parents read the craziest stories to me that I'd ever heard in my life. I thought it was normal that a dude takes a hammer and some nails and builds an ark to save humanity. I remember hearing stories about a dude who prayed too much so he got thrown into a lion's den and he was so anointed the lions couldn't kill him. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I remember reading stories of a young boy who's faced with a giant, so he thinks, I've got a great idea, let's throw a pebble at his forehead. Listen, I heard crazy stories like this. There was a dude in a battle, and the Lord said, you can't stop fighting yet, it's about to get dark, so let me go, keep the sun in the sky, keep fighting, then we'll put the sun to bed. And I'm like, cool. You know what's most amazing about it all? I believed every single word. Now let me blow your mind. I still believe every single word. But it seems that in the day we're living right now, especially in a millennial generation, that we've called ourselves culturally relevant, not understanding that it's actually toxic compromise. And here's what we've done. We have looked at their stories and said, well, maybe they were metaphorical. I've literally watched documentaries that try to explain how Moses went through the Red Sea that at a certain time of year, it's shallow enough that you can get through and that actually you wouldn't drown. And I stand there thinking, okay, well, if it was shallow enough not to drown, how did Pharaoh's armies... See, they've been trying to do this for years, disproving the Bible. But let me tell you, my friend, it was here before you, and it will be here after you. Tyrants have tried to destroy it. Hitler tried to destroy it. But Jesus said, my words shall never, ever pass away. Can I preach to you this morning? See, watch this. We have tried to take stories like these and reserve them to the pages of history. And we say, preacher, that was good then. It just doesn't happen now. I'd love to take you on a crusade. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've said I've said a very bad point there. Because now you think it only happens on crusades. I'd love to show you what happened this morning with a woman whose neck was... See, 
See, there's an entire teaching that miracles ended in the days of the apostles. But McCullough Christian said, I've come to tell you this morning that your job is to invade hell for a living. And you are to discover what will happen when faith collides with the power of the Holy Ghost. My friends, I still believe in miracles. You say, preacher, that's good for you. I don't. I've got news for you. There will come a time in your life, whether you like it or not, when the doctor can't fix it, your job can't fix it, your wife can't fix it, your 401k can't fix it. Your only option will be to believe for a miracle. See, my friend, miracles were never meant to be reserved for healing evangelists, whatever that even means. Let me just dispel the myth right now. I don't care what they call themselves on the Christian television. There is no such thing as a healing evangelist. Because the Bible says that every single one of you are meant to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. My friend, there are no pulpits like this in the kingdom. We are all pressing on to the upward call in Christ Jesus. You are called to heal the sick. You are called to cleanse the lepers. You are called to raise the dead. You are called to cast out devils. Freely you've received. Freely give. So I want to understand, excuse me, I want you to understand that as a believer, you have been mandated to live by faith. Understand, it was not suggested to you. You have been mandated to live by faith. You see, from the very first moment you called on the name of Jesus, it was faith that enabled you to believe he could save you. You see, as a believer, walking by faith is not optional. It's who we are. Watch this. It's not what we do. It's who we are. See, let me tell you what the Bible says here. See, the Bible says that we are to walk by faith, not by my sight. The Bible goes on to say this, watch this. Romans 1.17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall. It never said you visit faith. See, I meet so many people that think that faith is a panic room when crisis hits your life. See, some people treat their prayer closet like a panic room. Can I go a step further? God is not your employee. This may sound brash, but hear my point. Paying somebody or trying to earn something for someone's favor and their works, we call that prostitution. You don't get to use God in your moment of crisis and dispel him again. Listen, God does not do dating. He only does marriage. So you either marry God and walk with him every single day or you don't at all. You do not get to dip in and dip out. And when crisis hits, I run to him and I leave him again. That's the story of Hosea and Gomer. And some of you are sat there thinking, man, the people who do that. You know what the Lord spoke to Hosea? He said, Hosea, you're the problem here. 
See, in that story, we think we're Hosea. No, we're Gomer. See, the Lord spoke to Hosea and said, Hosea, you know how you feel every time Goma comes back home and then she leaves again, cheats on you, sleeps around, then comes back home to you, says, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, then does it again. God said to him, that's exactly how I feel about my people. See, watch this. True faith. Biblical faith will literally detach you from the logic of this world. See, if you want to walk in the supernatural, you don't get to think in the natural anymore. That's why the Bible says this. Watch this. John 20 verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet you have. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by. That tells me that I don't have to see something happening. In order to believe God is moving. Because faith is not my ability to believe in an outcome. It is my willingness to trust in the unchanging character of God. Because outcomes change. He does not. That means this morning if you came for healing. It is more important that you look for the healer than healing. If you came for deliverance, it is more important you look for the deliverer than deliverance. Because when it comes to faith, who you are believing in must be prioritized above what you're believing for. Let me say that for you again. When it comes to faith, who you are believing in must be prioritized above what you are believing for. Otherwise, you can fall more in love with what God gives you than the one who gave it to you. Let me show you this in the Word. For some of you, look a little confused right now. Watch this. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is... Huh? Do you know what that word impossible means in the Greek? Impossible. That's as deep as my Hebrew and Greek goes, guys. It's the same word. Impossible to please him. Now watch this part. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. For he who comes to God. Say that's me. That was abysmal on many different levels. Okay. Let's try that again. For he who comes to God. Say that's me. Must believe that he is. Not he does. He doesn't do healing. He is Jehovah Rapha. It's not what he does, it's who he is. See, if it was something that he just does, maybe one day when I came to him, he wouldn't do it. But because it's who he is, when I come to him, I know this. It's because of who he is, I am assured that when I come to him, in him I find my healing. I find my deliverance. I find my provision. Because it's not what he does. It's who he is. Let me go a step further. If God then said, I will never leave you or forsake you, that means at all times, 
healing is with you. That means at all times, deliverance is a prayer away. That means at all times, provision is there. You see, some of us pray as if we have to pass through the stratosphere into an intergalactic realm in order that provision may come a few light years later. But I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And if he won't leave me or forsake me, and I know who he is, and he is Jehovah Jireh, so then I know that provision is not coming, it's with me. I know the healing is not just coming, he is literally with me. Watch this. It goes a step further. He's not just with me. He's in me. Bill Johnson, regardless of your opinion of him, said an incredible quote once. He said, the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but he's on me for yours. That means there's an ever-present fountain bubble up inside of me. But it also means when I walk into a room and there's a cancer patient dying and they've been given three days to live, there is a Spirit of God on me that can walk in there and say, I don't just have healing. He is healing in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Watch this. See, when it comes to faith, people may disagree with this kind of teaching and say, no, Jordan, you're not understanding. Don't you remember that when Jesus said, if anyone speaks to this mountain and be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes he will have whatever he saith, that's wonderful. But you don't get to take one verse out of context without the rest of the verses. See, if you go verse earlier, the whole pretense of that verse is built on one foundation, which is verse 22. Watch this. Mark eleven twenty-two. Before the good part that you like to quote, there is an important part that we often miss. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. If you take this verse, the next verse, sorry, Without that verse, your faith is built in an outcome, not in God. So your focus then becomes healing. Because after all, whatever I speak to this mountain, and say be removed and cast into the sea. But here's what Jesus is trying to say. Your focus is not the healing. It's in the healer. So if your faith is rooted in God... Watch this. That means that when I'm facing crisis, my faith does not waver. Because my faith is not in an outcome. It's in Him. Okay, let me just get real. I'm done after this service, okay? I leave. So if you're upset, ask your pastor after this, right? Can you imagine how much more hope we would have for our nation if we didn't pull all our faith in the previous president? I'm from England, I can say this. I don't give a flying rip, okay? Can I go a step further? If some of you promoted Jesus the way you did the former president, more people would be saved right now. 
And I watched people cry and weep. And America saw. My faith was never in the president. It was in the one who formed me in the foundation, from the foundation of the world. It was in the one who formed every president this nation will ever have. Who knows the hairs on their heads. And I know some of you guys are worrying. The bad policies are in place. My friend, listen. The Bible says that God sits in heaven and literally laughs. Thinking if you can try and thwart my plans, you are out of your mind. My friend, let me reassure you, he is still very much on the throne right now. His promises are still yes and amen. Get your faith, not in an outcome. He was there at the beginning. He'll be there at the end. And here's how the story ends. He will return riding on the cloud. Every eye shall see him. Every knee will bow. You can keep crying about how we got cheated. No, no, stop. Souls are perishing while you're making nonsense Facebook posts. No, I don't apologize for that. We have to be eternally minded. We are not building an earthly kingdom. Does it mean that things happening right now don't matter? No, I am sick of some things that are happening. Let me make it very clear. Racism is from the pit of hell. Yes, I'm bothered by it, but watch this. We are not building an earthly kingdom right now. Jesus said, look up. Lift up your head for your redemption draws near, my friend. Am I upset by things happening? Yes. But my friend, I cannot become so consumed with earthly things that I forget we are not here forever. The Bible says your citizenship is in heaven. You know, some of you may think, Jordan, well, listen, that all sounds wonderful. But things in my life are going from bad to worse. How can you talk to me about faith today, Jordan? Maybe you're going through brokenness, sickness. Lack of provision. My friend, can I encourage you this morning? In the midst of what seems to be a trial for you, what may seem to be a hardship, do not degrade your miracle to meet your level of understanding. Let me contextualize this for you. I mean so many people who maybe, let's say, you need... $1,000 by the end of the week to meet your rent. Monday comes around, you're like, God, I believe for the $1,000. Tuesday comes and nothing's happened. So then you say, God, I believe for half of it to come. Wednesday comes, nothing's happened. God, I believe that you'll get at least just $10 to me today. What's happened? You have degraded your miracle to meet your level of understanding. But is that not what the Bible says? That my ways are not your ways. And your understanding is far below my understanding. That my friend, you have to understand, if he has been faithful before to you, he will be faithful again. That's why David said, I've been young, now I'm old, but I know something. I have never 
seen the righteous forsaken. No, that seed's begging bread. Because the righteous don't have their faith in an outcome. It is firmly placed in the one who holds everything together by the power. By the power of his word. Can I have 10 more minutes? Is it okay? See, with that being said, I believe with all my heart that God still does the impossible. I believe with all my heart that God does do miracles. But one thing that I've seen as a danger, especially in my generation, is that we have drastically reduced the cost of a breakthrough. Let me explain this to you, okay? I see this most often in, I was going to say worship songs. I don't think they can even be categorized as worship songs. I see this in Christian branded songs, okay? And they sound a little like this. That if you jump a little and clap a little, then the chains will fall off. Something to that effect. It sounds good, it's just not biblical. It normally does get real quiet at this point, okay? But listen to me. You guys ever heard those songs? That I'll just dance and we'll clap and I'll go free and the chains will fall. Sounds good, it's just not in your Bible. And you know why those songs are popular? Because they're nice to listen to. But when I read my Bible, breakthroughs sometimes cost people everything. Let me ask you a question, my friend. Let me ask you a question. If you disagree with me right now, you're like, no, Jordan, I believe in those songs. Let me ask you a question. How do you think it would go for you, beloved, if you walked up to Paul the Apostle after being flogged on the temple steps, nearly stoned to death, shipwrecked in hunger, in famine, being destitute, now bound in prison, and he said to you, what do you think I should do? Well, if you would just dance a little, Paul, and just shout a little, then your chains are... My friend, he would give you the right hand of fellowship on your cheek. What are you talking about? If you've ever been a tra- through a trial in your life, you will know that that's nonsense. Because often it looks like nights of sleeplessness crying out to God. Having nothing but one verse to plan your entire life on. My friend, whenever I've been through crisis, nothing in me thought, if I just do this a little bit, it'll fix it. How about talking to a woman who has got a, who has got a blood condition? That is, she's at the end of her life. She spent every penny she's got. She's an outcast because many theologians believe that her blood condition was contracted by being sexually immoral. So not only is she sick, now she's broke, now she's an outcast, and she can't even go anywhere to get help anymore. Hey sister, why don't you try shouting a little? And uh, It's nonsense. But she hears of a man. She hears of a man who might be able to help her. So much so, watch this, watch this. So much so that she stepped out of her house 
into a place that she never should have been with people who despised her, who could have excommunicated her from the city. She's found in a crowd. And she thinks, the only way I can do this is by getting on my hands and my knees and crawling through the dirt. Now stop. People say, Jordan, what are you doing? She was on her hands and her knees. It's really hard to touch the hem of someone's garment while you're still on your feet. So we have a picture of a woman on her knees in the dust, being kicked by people around her, calling her filthy, calling her unclean. But this woman knew the price of a breakthrough. My friend, I've come to tell you, sometimes your miracle will cost you something. While I'm at this, let me just dispel a lie from the pit of hell. No, you can't buy a miracle by giving an offering to a ministry. It was purchased in blood. But oftentimes your breakthrough will cost you. Sometimes, Pastor, it might look like having friends who love you enough to say, I can't get you in that house. But I love you enough that I'll rip the roof off that house for you. I'll take care of the cost. But if we can just get you to the feet of Jesus, I don't care if the effort it costs me. I don't care if they shout at us or yell at us or tell us we're not welcome. I can't get you in there. But brother, I can't get you on my back. I can't climb a ladder. And I will lower you to the feet of a man I've heard is called the healer. If you're still not convinced, Jesus gave the parable. Of the woman who went before the judge and said, give me justice for my adversary. Give me justice for my adversary. Give me justice. And the Bible says that eventually the judge said, modern day translation, in order to shut this woman up, I'll just give her what she wants. Then Jesus said, if the judge being unjust gave her that, how much more will your heavenly father who is firstly just, but secondly love you, how much more will he give you what you are asking for to those, watch this, who cry out to him day and night. That sounds like a cost to me. Now Jordan, if God loves me, why would he give me a cost? Because Jesus tried to highlight a promise to you, sorry, a premise to you. Here Jesus is laying a foundation to you that your breakthrough will cost you something. Because the test of faith is not that you can believe for something. The true test of faith is that you can continually endure believing for something. Because a faith that knows how to endure is a faith that will work. I finish with this. Let me come back to the story of Elisha. See, the Bible says that Elisha is about to die. And King Joash comes to him and says, Elisha, we need help. The nation is surrounded by the Syrian army. For those of you who study history, you will understand that Joash's concern 
was not just that they were going to be plundered, but the Syrians were actually infamous for being barbaric individuals. So Joash knows this. If I don't get a breakthrough, I'm about to watch my sons, my daughters, and my wives be slaughtered in the streets. How many would agree that's a good time for a breakthrough? So he comes to the man of God and says, Elisha, what should we do? And here's what Elisha says to him. I want you to take some arrows. And here's what I want you to do with them, Joash, who, by the way, was a man of war. He knew how to fight. He said, with one of the arrows, I want you to open the east window and fire it out of there. Now, let me intervene here real quick, okay? I am no great wartime strategist. But I would think in my time of crisis, wasting ammunition was not at the top of my to-do list. But then with the remainder of the arrows, I want you to take them and begin to strike the ground. Now, I understand that most of you, probably all of you, are way more spiritual than I am. But when I read my Bible, sometimes I'm like, God, you've got some explaining to do. Or you guys just way more holy than I am. Okay, you just take it at face value. Like, oh, yeah, cool. We're going to play paddicate with the arrows. No, I don't work like that. I'm like, God, why? Firstly, we're wasting ammunition out the window. Now I'm playing tic-tac-toe in a castle while the Syrian army are surrounding us. Since when did this look like a good idea? There's something wonderful about the Bible, though. If you don't ever understand it, you can always ask the author. I felt the Lord speak to me, and he said this. I said, Lord, why would he strike the ground? And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. Watch this. He said, because sometimes, son, I will ask you to do something in the natural that you do not understand. But as a result of your faith, it will move things in the spiritual. Let me ask you a question. Do you really think there was any power in a stick that Moses carried? Or could it be that in response to his obedience in the natural, something began to move in the spiritual? That as his staff went over the ocean, some of those waters began to turn and began to move. Not because of the staff, but because faith collided with the power of the Holy Ghost. You really think that trumpets and footsteps can bring down a city? Or could it be that the sound of footsteps actually sounded like this? Faith, 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 obedience, faith. Every time I took a step, heaven was hearing faith, 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 faith. And my friend, it was faith that began to shake the walls. It was faith that began to move. Could it really be that Peter was just having a really good day when he stepped out of that boat? Or could it have been something that when he stepped onto that water, it wasn't his foot that he stepped on. It was faith. I know you don't understand, Joash. 
your job is not to understand. If your job is not to understand, your job is to strike the ground. And I imagine Joash, can I sit on here? I imagine Joash stood there with the arrows in his hands, looking at the man of God, thinking, what is this going to achieve? Listen, Elisha, you've been good to us. You've saved us from a lot of trouble as the spokesman of God. But Elisha, I think you've missed it on this one. I'm a man of war, Elisha. I know how this works. We're wasting time while I could be planning and formulating. Oh, does that not sound like us? Jordan, I don't have time for this sermon. My son's in the world bound by drugs. What is this going to achieve? Jordan, this sounds wonderful as a concept. But I'm up to my neck in debt, worrying where my next meal is going to come from. What is this going to achieve? Jordan, this sounds wonderful for the person next to me. But what about me, Jordan? I don't have a job. I'm going to provide for my children. What is this going to achieve? My friend, can I reassure you this morning? That every time you lift your hands and you believe God again, in the spirit you are striking the ground. Can I remind you that every time you pull out your Bible and say, my God shall supply all of my needs. My friend, you are striking the ground. Every time you look in your doctor's face and say, I know it doesn't look good. But by his stripes, I am my friend, I've come to tell you, it's time to strike the ground. It is time to strike the ground. Pull out your Bible again. Strike the ground. Pull out those prophetic words. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Watch this. Watch this. Some of you were once striking the ground. But now when you pull out those prophetic words, there are so many teardrops on there because of disappointment, you can't even read them anymore. I've got some advice for you. Pull them out. Declare them again. And you're striking the ground. I know you don't have much provision and you're worried about your children in a day of crisis when people are getting shot in schools and killed. But my friend, I'll pull out Psalm 91 and I'll... Can you imagine if we really believed Psalm 91? I have a nine-month-old baby back home in Orlando. And I've been asked, Jordan, are you worried about the world that your son's going to grow up in? Am I worried? Do you know who I serve? A thousand will fall at your left, 10,000 at your right, but they will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you see the reward of the wicked under his wings. You will find. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
for your rod and your staff, even in the valley, they still comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow. in the world and there's chaos but he'll still lead you beside still waters he will still restore you you know how amazing God is in the midst of staring your face in the enemy God will say let's sit down and eat hold on he's so good that here's what he'll do I'll make your enemies sit down and watch you eat. Am I worried about my nine-month-old? If he was faithful to me, he will be faithful to him. If he was faithful to you, Mama, he'll be faithful to your children. If he was faithful to hear your granddaddy and he kept your daddy, he will be faithful to you and to your children and to your grandchildren. Watch this. How many miracles have we missed because we stopped striking? And he struck three times and stopped. We're not given the reason, but may I humbly suggest this morning a reason to you. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Elisha, what are we doing here? Anyone could pray once. But the true test of faith, I've already told you, is not that you can believe for something. It's that you can continually endure believing for something. That means when your son is not getting better, he's getting worse. Mama, you're at home in your prayer closet. I know he came home drunk, out of his mind. But mama... I know husband, you can't provide for your wife right now. But get in your prayer closet. I know something doesn't like it's happening, but can I tell you, every time you strike, the devil goes. Every time you strike, the devil goes. Oh, my friend, it's time to strike. Watch your team, come here real quick. Come help me real quick. If I bring the worship team up, you'll think I'm finishing. I promise you, this is my final close. Let me ask you one question before you leave today. One question. Look at me real quick. Just look at me, every person. Give me your best attention. Listen carefully. Especially you parents. She's okay there. Leave her. Leave her. Leave her. Leave her. Leave her. Leave her. What if your breakthrough is not just about you? 
No, 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 you don't know what you're clapping yet. Watch this. See, the Bible says in verse 22, just play softly for me if you can on the, on the keys. And Hazael, the king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. I understand that means nothing to you. Just a bit of context. Jehoahaz is the father of Joash. Well, so, from Joash's earliest memory, all he's ever known is to be attacked by Syrians. And that got me thinking, Pastor, what if there was a day that Jehoahaz had the opportunity to strike the ground, and because he didn't, his battle was passed down to his son. No, 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 you didn't get that, no. What if there was a day that your granddaddy had the chance to strike the ground and say alcohol will not stay in my family line? See, people tell me this. Well, Jordan, my great-granddad was an alcoholic. My granddad was an alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic. So, Jordan, I guess... I'm just going to be. See, your battle's not just about you. It's about winning a fight so that your children won't have to. Hey, Dad. It's not just about you getting free from pornography. It's so that you can look in your child's eyes as a pure father and say it will not be... It was Spurgeon who said this, a father's holy life is a rich legacy for his sons. It's not just about you. It's so that your child doesn't have to watch mommy and daddy fight because dad came home drunk so that you can not just tell your child behave stop yelling at people while you're the same one doing it win that fight so they don't have to fight it how I know you feel bound open up your bible who the sun sets free is free indeed I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. My children will rise up and call us blessed. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the country. It's time to strike. My friend, in a few seconds, I want to open this altar call right now. I want to make you one guarantee right now. This encounter with the Lord is more important than your lunch right now. The legacy of your family depends on it. 
Before I open the space at the front, every eye closed as fast as you can. I want every person listening right now. See, you might have been here today and you said, Jordan, I want all of that. But my friend, first we've got to deal with your soul. See, the Bible said, is it appointed once for man to die? And then the judgment. See, my friend, you can contend for all the miracles you want. You can pull people out of a wheelchair and go to hell the next day. Today you've got to deal with your soul first. I want to ask you one question right now. Is it well with your soul? See, today you've got a choice. You can either accept Jesus or you can deny him. That's your choice. But Jesus makes it very clear. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. But if you would accept me before men, I will accept you on that day when you stand before me. It is that simple. You do not get to play with God. Listen, I've, I've, let me just kick over a false golden calf of demonicness right now. I've heard it preached before, you know, that, well, God really, he's, he's very much similar like the genie in Aladdin. You get to call on him and he can do more than you ever imagined. My friend, listen, I've discovered this in my life. He will bail you out of a mess because of His grace. But He is still the God who formed the very universe. He is still a holy God that simply by His presence men fell dead. He is not your little genie in a bottle, my friend. He is the one who holds everything together simply by the power of His words. The only reason, my friend, the earth is still spinning on its axis right now is because he hasn't told it to stop. He is not your little pet that you get to use, my friend. So today, you are not giving your life to a denomination. You're not giving your life to a church. You're not giving your life to a religious figure. You are giving your life to the one who formed the very foundations of this world. Who will keep you. Who will save you. Who will wash you in the blood. But let me make this very clear today. Listen. A yes to Jesus is a no to sin. You do not run to Jesus to get a golden ticket into heaven and live like a heathen. That's called prostitution doesn't work with God Jesus said this no man putting his hand to the plow and turning back 
you're not even fit for service in the kingdom of God. You either give him everything or you don't give him anything. Well, Jordan, that sounds harsh. It's all Bible. This thing is not a game. When you die, there is no rerun. There is no new game option. It's over. So right now in this place, if there is sin in your life, if you're away from God, maybe you're bound by addiction, bound by sin, bound by pride, unforgiveness, bound by darkness, that you want to get free, but you said, Jordan, I just don't know how to. Today, you're going to come to this altar. You're not going to wait. You're not going to hesitate. You're going to step out of your seat. You're going to come kneel at this altar, and you're going to give your entire life to Jesus. Not 50%, not 70%, not 90, not 95, not even 99. 100% of your life, you're going to give to Jesus. If that's you today, you're in sin, you're away from God, but you want to give your life to Jesus, quickly come right now, get out of your seat. Come and kneel at this altar as fast as you can. As fast as you can, come on. If that's you, my friend, come quickly. Come quickly, if that's you, come on. Come on right now. From the very back to the very front, children, adults. If that is you, you need Jesus right now. Step out of your seat, come to this altar. God bless you guys, God bless you. Come on, friend, what about you? Is it well with your soul? If you die today, do you know you go be with Jesus? God bless you. I want to give you a few more seconds right now. God bless you, young man. I want to give you 30 more seconds. If there is sin in your life, see, let me tell you what happens here. Just drop it down a little bit. Let me tell you what happens here. The reason I know this is I give, I don't know, 70, 80 altar calls a year. It's the same in any country. Someone will come up to me after and say, Jordan, I was so worried to come forward because my mom was made the idea. What I didn't want to know what she would think about. Listen, when you stand before God, your mom will not be stood next to you. You will be on your own. I don't say that to scare you. You shouldn't get saved because you're scared of hell. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. You get saved because you realize how good God really is. That in your mess, He saw it fit to save you. But I want to ask you right now, forget who's around you. Forget who's next to you. If there is sin in your life, some of you may be bound by lust, can't get free from those websites, a counselor can't help you, Jesus can. It's not a clicking problem, it's a heart problem. Some of you bound by unforgiveness towards family members. I want you to come. Some of you bound by greed, whatever it is this morning. If there is sin in your life, I'm going to call you one more time. If that is you today, and you want to go free, you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to call you right now. Step out of your seat. Come and stand at this altar as fast as you can. Come quickly if that's you. Come on. Come on, friend. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Listen, you can be nine years old or 99 years old. Jesus wants to save you this morning. He wants to wash you in the blood. He wants to set you free. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, I want, if you are part of this church and you're part of a prayer team or leadership team, I want someone to come and stand with every single one of these people here. Dr. Lifer, come help me stand right here with this young man. I need a lady, Miss Tammy, come stand with this lady over here. Oh, listen, only if you are part of the leadership team. I don't want you to come in if, you just, if you're not approved to do this. Okay, church, will you do me a favor to stretch out your hands to these people here right now? Just drop it down. If you're at the front right now, listen to my words. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, let me stop you right there. There is only one Lord. There is only one who hung on a cross for you. His name is Jesus. Secondly, and if you believe in your heart that God truly raised him out of that grave, then here's what the Bible says. You shall be saved. Saved from what? Firstly, saved from the consequence of sin, which is separation from God. Secondly, watch this, saved from yourself. That's why Paul said, I know that within me there lies no good thing. Why? Because until Jesus lives in your heart, there is nothing good. That's why the Bible says, even our best works were like what? Oh, come on, you know your Bible. Our good works were like what? Filthy rags. Those were our best efforts. And in the sight of God, it was still an abomination. So Jesus will come and live inside of you. And those demonic, sinful thoughts that you have, if you yield your life to Jesus, my friend, He won't just help you fight them. He will remove them from your life entirely. But this comes only one way. And I'm sure many of you can attest this and say amen. It is a daily choice to be in the presence of God. Jesus so listen I'm going to pray right now I don't want those of you to pray at the front with me but church I'd like to pray this as one family can we do that this morning is that okay you guys remember on the day that you did this people stood with you and supported you can we do the same right now alright church pray this with me dear Jesus I come to you today because I know there is sin in my life. I know I've done wrong. But today, I believe you are my Savior. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. Today, Jesus, wash me in the blood. Cleanse me of my sin. Be my Lord be my savior and my very best friend. In Jesus' name, amen.
Church, give God a praise this morning for these precious souls.